0: of We're Not Wizards, my name's Richard, I'll be your host for me! We're there, we're almost halfway through the year, could you believe it? I don't know, I feel like celebrating, I don't know if I want to do something special, something magical, if I want to to throw a party, maybe throw a party, I don't know, if I'm going to throw a party, maybe I need a thrower, I maybe don't just need a thrower, I need a writer, maybe I need Matt thrower! (laughs) I'm just rendered speechless by that, frankly. I was rendered kind of shocked as well, to be perfectly honest, because that was absolutely terrible. But, you know, we're going to run with it, and these people are just going to have to to listen. Hello, sir. How are you, first of all? I'm fine, thank you very much. And yourself? I'm good. Yeah, I'm an 8.6, I think, today. All things kind of considered. It's been one of those busy days at work where you kind of get, you either think you you look up and it's four o'clock and you've got to stop and you feel like you've done nothing. Or today, I looked up and I'd done tons and it was only half eleven. So it was kind of one of those glorious kind of moments in the kind of days. Um, the reason that I asked you on the show is because um, you follow the kind of the, the well-renowned and kind of um, much-honed craft of putting together words into thoughts and opinions, making them make sense and making them look fabulous. And you've been involved in kind of doing various things for various places um, in connection with the tabletop hobby. And I thought it was a good time maybe to have a chat,
1: you know. Oh, yeah, so it, um, I'm delighted to be here. I, it, it's interesting how we're crossing media here. I like to write and you record podcasts. <laughs> and and between, us, between us, we have all the essential ingredients for, for board game
0: covering. Exactly, exactly. But... We're not just here to have a friendly chat, Matt. The people, the people want no, the people demand to know how you got got so far in your journey. How you, how, you know? I we need to know, so please tell us, Furnish
1: us. How I got so far? I d- okay, that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. I don't know. That's that's the entire podcast right there. I tell you a whole life story. <laughs> um, I've been lucky is the answer to that, um, and I spent far too much time on social media. So whenever <laughs> I saw anybody going. We need a writer to do something. I could go, Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm the person that uses to do that. And 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 really that's all that's all there is to it. I, I tell people, they say, how do you get a foothold in, in tabletop writing? That's genuinely how I did it.
0: Just go about just saying, Yep, I'll I do just, that. Yeah. I'll do that. Pretty much. Munchkin. I'm gonna do this. I mean, pushing the clock kinda of well back, back to when this was now but Fields and you know, um and you were your young younger lad. With not a care in the world, but maybe a little bit of cardboard in your heart. How did you kind of get involved in the hobby in the first place? And by the way, I'm going to be rocking out these analogies and similes and everything else, you know, just to try and appear intelligent, because you are very, very good at what you do.
1: I, I think I, I, I'm pleased you think so that's very kind. I don't know if I am particularly good at what I do. I'm just I'm just opinionated about it. But, but there we go. <laughs> um, so I, I got started by luck, by, by sheer luck. Um, I, I grew up in, uh, in North Norfolk, in the art end of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing to do in North Norfolk is to go to agricultural shows. And so I went to an agricultural show once upon a time with my family, and I was bored, twiddling my thumbs, looking around, and I found in a bookstore.
0: Hmm.
1: And there were, there were all sorts of tedious books on farming and animal husbandry and other awful things. And, and, and amongst them, there was a book with the dragon on the cover. And oh. obviously, being about nine, I think it was about nine at the time. I can't remember. I picked this book up and I looked through it, and it was clearly fantastic. And the book was called "What Is Dungeons and Dragons." Wow! And uh, it, it, there's a, there's a whole story which I'm going to have to tell you some of now. I later discovered that it was written um, by three lads who went to Eton, um oh. and, and and whose circle included a number of, of now quite well renowned game designers. Um, who are still actively working today, but at one time, it also included David Cameron. <laughs> so the the authors the authors of my uh, of of my introduction to the hobby actually played Dungeons and Dragons with David Cameron. Addy. I just there we go. I've.
0: I've no words. I mean, it's like, it's five minutes in. You've taken it political. I mean, what well, can I say? I've, um,
1: I've I've been pitching this story genuinely for years, and nobody, no one will touch I it with a can't imagine poke. Anybody?
0: Do you know what I mean? I want you to do a bacon check if you're playing with David Cameron. Um, let's not, but let's not go there because there's so no. so much good material, and also at the same time, so much bad material that could be brought in. <laughs> To At that once. Whole, anyway, whole kind of thing, so um,
1: veering rapidly away from that. Anyway, so, so that was my introduction, and and I know this is this is uh, largely about. I, I write about board games now, but for many years I, I was totally invested in, in Dungeons and Dragons. All right, um, and uh, in those days, uh, much smaller hobby, much smaller things, and you couldn't play Dungeons and Dragons without buying figures, and you couldn't buy figures unless they were Citadel figures. And yeah, you couldn't buy Citadel figures without getting into Warhammer. Yeah. Um, and alongside Warhammer there came all the early boxed games, workshop games, like Fury of Dracula, Dungeon Quest, and uh, they did a really bad edition of Cosmic Encounter, and of course Space Hulk, Soulfile, and, and, and yeah. other stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, th- through all this time, they, they, that was still the minority of what I did spend most of the time role-playing. Um, I, I eventually gave up on role-playing, really, because after I left university I found it quite hard to find anybody I wanted to play with. I know that's 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 perhaps a judgmental sounding thing, but I tried
0: a couple of different groups, just didn't get on with the people. I think um, I think it's a very um D D's a very, very strange thing in that unlike, say, the board game side of things, if I play a game with a group of people and I don't necessarily get on or have a great experience that week you can kind of you're a little bit more able to manage who you kind of play with the next time, and you can also manage the experience a little bit more depending on the game. Yes. That you kind of bring in. So with Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, I've seen people commit to. They've been playing the same campaign for the last two and a half years. Now, if that doesn't, you know, if that's not working out for you, you can't. Yes. Like it Becomes a prison sentence instead. Um, while you're while you're starting out in the D and D stuff, was the creator, Were you? Doing the creative stuff at the same time. I mean, what what was it you did at university? Was I, I, it connected? I, I, oh, to
1: it? No, it wasn't. So, so I studied biology at university, oh, okay. um, which I which I loved. I loved. Uh, I still love it. Um, yeah. Really, really enjoy biology, and 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 I'm fascinated by by zoology and biochemistry and, and all the stuff. But I'm well out of that world now. You know, that, that's a, that's a whole different story. I, I tried to get into it. I actually did a, a doctorate, um, which I failed, um, mm. <laughs> uh, and became a, a software engineer instead. Um, but no. So I, I was not particularly creative. So I did run, run games. I mostly was a was a dungeon master. Um, but I I I got great pleasure. So back st- still still in my attic. Actually, I've got huge stacks. I'm I'm doing the the huge stack motion now with my hands, even though I know we're on the radio. <laughs> um, it's and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the
0: close <laughs> captured. Matt's putting his hands up, like like a box thing. He's gonna start dancing any second. He's shown he's got huge stacks. <laughs> that sounds like a...
1: <laughs> always. Never trust a man with huge stacks. Never. Do. Um, <laughs> um, huge stacks of Dungeon magazine, um, and what I used to do because Dungeon magazine was full of adventures, you'd get like four yeah. or five short adventures, and, and what I used to do is I, I would I would cut bits, not literally cut with a pair of scissors, but but I would chop and change bits that I liked from adventures together. Uh to create something of my own Uh, and and I ran a a number of campaigns that way so so they were all pre-published material but I I turned them into what I would write bits you know I do bits of writing in between yeah to to link things together but mostly most of it was was stolen and rearranged so you (laughs) so you're a thief then yes absolutely well you know no idea that I bought the magazines
0: fair and square I'm allowed (laughs) to reuse that material (laughs) I just decided to take my favourite bits and try and make them <laughs> make them my own. Did you tell the group that you were actually playing with that y- these weren't your own work? Oh yes, yeah, oh. no, I, I
1: never, never pretended otherwise. I knew because none of them took the magazine. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted them to play the games. It would, it would have been awful if they'd have played the the adventures before, wouldn't it? So, so no, I, I never, never made any bones about that.
0: Were you quite inventive as a DM though? I mean you said obviously you took parts of it, I was taking there were still parts that you kind of wanted to make your own and did you find you started to expand and kind of expand the, the amount of stuff that you were kind of bringing to the table as opposed to relying uh, no, on the source material side
1: of not, not a lot if I'm honest, so so the, the where I where I think I was a good dungeon master in, in a creative sense was ad-libbing on the fly, mm. so obviously any, anyone who's played Dungeons or anyone who's run a game uh, any, anyone who's played the game may not know how much GMs have to do this, but you have to depart from what's written in front of you all the time. And um, and and whilst I'm too lazy, frankly, to do do enough prep work in advance <laughs> to be that creative, but when you're there, you know, and the adrenaline's flowing, and you've had a had a beer, you know, because you did, uh, and and uh, you, you're just flying it by the seat of your pants, and it's great fun, you know, just 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 making it run, run, running with with what the players are giving you is is, is good. It's mm. it's a good feeling, and uh, I think I pulled that off fairly well. <laughs>
0: You said you kind of walked away from D and D when you kind of left kind of university. So, where did you kind of go? good de- did you go next? I,
1: I I went and became a back back to Warhammer. I I became a proper proper oh. as in as in tournament circuit. I was never never won anything, major, really? but but you know I I I, I painted up armies and I took them on the on, on to tournaments and, and played in tournaments and yeah and I had a good time for again for many years.
0: Was it? Did you do the painting stuff as well? I mean, have yes. you got a lovely collection of painted kind of stuff that's kind of looks absolutely stunning? Or were you the type no. of person that just took like this will do, darken them up, shade them down, put some highlights on? Well,
1: bash, now bush. Bush. this is this is this is important. This is this is critical to where the story goes next. Actually, so I, I am I am not a great painter. Right. Uh, I'm an adec- adequate painter. I'm not a terrible painter, uh, right. but I am very slow takes me a long time to, uh, to, to paint uh, to paint models up. So I never played any armies where you'd have this, this mass of yeah. models, or orcs and skaven and things like that. You've got loads of models. Um, and I complained endlessly um, on various Warhammer forums about how bloody long it took me to paint even the small armies, the dwarves and the, the empire and the, the vampire counts that I used to run. Yeah. Um, and uh, I complained bitterly also about the rules. And it took me genuinely years of, of being on the tournament circuit because I'm, I'm oblivious to most things that go on around me, um, that uh, most people who play Warhammer don't play it for the game. They no. play it because they love painting the figures. And yeah. the fact that I actually didn't like painting the figures and just played it for the game, I was very much in a minority. <laughs> and um, I was on a forum bitching about some rule loophole or other um And no less a person than Gav Thorpe who who was hardly ever the, he was a, you know the designer t- turned up yeah. and said if 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 you if you you know if you're so bothered about about rule uh, game balance in the game, yeah, why are you playing miniature war games why don't you go and play board games instead wow. and i thought this 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 is Gav Thorpe <laughs> you know I have to take this seriously <laughs> this man knows <laughs> what he's talking about he's going of gently tapping you on the shoulder and
0: saying yes. it's time to move on matt
1: it it pretty much was it's time and, to move and, on. Uh, Exactly, and, 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 I, and I, that's what I did. And uh, and and so I, I left that behind me and, and moved on to board games, and that's, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe wow. 15, 20 years ago, and and um, and I have been, it, it is right, it is the right thing for me. He was right. Thank you, Gav Thorpe. If you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you for putting me on the right path. I'd
0: love to think that he does, but I know he'd probably go, what? I'm not having anything to do with a show that's not about wizards, and are you joking me? <laughs> It's kind of like 50% of our core set, you know, <laughs> no magic, you know, no magic, no money, no Games Workshop, you know, what are you expecting us to do? What's, I mean, 15 years, I mean, a lot of people, they're talking about this is the kind of the golden age, and I'm wondering how long the golden age is going to be going on because people keep saying this is the golden age. But back then, was it as easy to kind of get hold of kind of, the kind of games. I mean, were you were you stuck to kind of because from what I know from a few people, there were you were able to get hold of certain games. There were some people that took that got stuff over from Germany and just mucked around and fussed about with the rules. But were you kind of sitting there With you like your Catan's and stuff like that? Was there any particular games that you were kind of getting your hands on and playing when you first? What was the first one you got? You know, when Gavin said, Man well, I, I go away. Okay, yeah, run away, going on, on, you go." What was it you picked up?
1: Okay, well, the first game I played, the first game I picked up was Carcassonne, in actual fact. Now, uh, you've got to remember, I was not completely ignorant of the board gaming hobby. I actually already had a set of uh, Settlers Catan. Right. Um, And what I hadn't realized is how... Widespread it had become because my my window onto it was essentially just you know the few boxes that you found in miniature gaming shops, yeah, which yeah. obviously Catan you did, and, and, and so I I wasn't in complete ignorance of it. But when I actually then went to look, it's like wow, there's a there's a a much greater wealth of stuff out here, and and I picked Carcassonne entirely because I'd heard it was uh, you know quite easy to play, and and I, I had this vision that all my friends and family would be you know, descending upon me to play this, these wonderful board games. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you shake your head. Both, he's shaking, shaking his head. Yes, indeed. No, it so he didn't work out that way. But yes, no, no. I, I do remember that. Carcassonne was the first game that I bought um, as, a, as, a, as somebody who decided they were going to focus on board games as part of their, part of their hobby.
0: You still got the original copy that
1: you had, the Carcassonne. I have, I have, yes. It's in. I told you it's in the bookcase in the. Yeah. Like my, my games are scrawled away all over this place. Yeah. So it's still out. It, it still does see play actually from time to time because my kids don't enjoy it. They, uh-huh. they do like it. It's one of the few games that you could, I've owned Carcassonne for like fifteen years. As I've said, I'm still utterly garbage at it, and my,
0: my <laughs> nine year old can beat me. <laughs> is it? Is it kind of like? Was it? You mentioned the kids. Was it a special moment when you kind of first played? Carcass on with them, and assuming that you kind of you made a big thing out of it. You went right, okay, we guy kids, gather around We're going to be doing no, something no, because they they, they, they put so it on so. The
1: table. My eldest child is thirteen years old. There were already tons of games in the house when yeah. when when she became aware of them. I don't know what game I first played with her because I what I did make a point of is that obviously I had all these lovely boxes full of pretty bits yeah. and lovely miniatures and fine maps. And when she was very small, I can remember she she would get them out and she would just play games of, of her own devising, okay. you know, imaginary games with the pieces. And I, and I would I would play with her because it was lovely. One thing thing I remember, I posted a photo of this years old and I'd completely forgotten about it. And I had a war game um, called or oh, Fade Fading Glory or Faded Glory I think it was. I can't remember what it was. It was a game earlier with several scenarios from the Napoleonic oh. Wars. Uh, and my daughter at the age of about four had this uh, magazine. Angelina Ballerina, you know, the dancing mouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, it had, it had like a printed race game in it. She had no dice or counter. So she went to the nearest game she could find. And, and I came into this room and found her. She said, Daddy, come, come and play this game with me. And so, uh, uh, Wellington and uh, and Napoleon we're racing around the man- <laughs> track by the roll of a roll and move against a dancing now. So I could sat cool. there thinking these, these poor blokes, these poor, you know, these mighty military heroes be turning in their graves.
0: Please just imagine <laughs> the both standing there at a tutu. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not gileting properly. They should do it, <laughs> they would Um, are you, do you keep up with the hobby just now? I mean, in terms of, um, so many games can of come out.
1: No, I, I don't think it's possible. I don't think anyone can. I, I don't think Tom Fazel could. It's cra- crazy. So, so I, I did these stats a while ago. Was it last year?
0: Hmm.
1: At Essen Fair alone, there were over a thousand titles. Last year um, and over the course of the year, three to four thousand titles were released. So hmm. you're looking at thousands of games now in a year. If you were to play one every day, you couldn't keep up with the release schedule.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, no one can. Are you quite choosy then with what you kind of go ahead and kind of pick up? I mean, is there anything you've kind of got recently? You know, you've went out and acquired recently for your collection that you're... No,
1: I, I've actually become very... Uh, I've almost become the opposite. I just, I just because... I don't, I don't.
0: You have to talk about it.
1: As a reviewer, publishers do send me games, yeah. um, and, and I've generally just stopped asking for them or stopped buying them because there are so many, so so many. It just you just do your head in. So I just I just play what I'm sent.
0: Yeah. Um. When did the writing kind of kick off then? I mean, because I, I mean, we've kind of skipped around it and not actually kind of. Touched on how you decided. Actually, I'm going to sit down and start to kind of put pen to paper or fingers to keyboards. So, I mean, how did that? Okay, but well, this,
1: this, this is yeah. So this is this is the meat of where I suppose it all goes on. So, so when I first had kids, uh, obviously my gaming time was very restricted. My my kids were terrible sleepers, really, really, really terrible sleepers, and mm-hmm. it was it was a bit of a nightmare to be honest. And um, uh, to channel my desire to game. Uh, the only thing I could do, the only outlet I had really was to write about it. So uh um as somebody who was a veteran of, you know, just the internet generally, internet forums who could yeah. grow up with it, you know, everybody everybody uses it. Um, I I'd I'd found Board Game Geek um and I started writing like reviews, session reports, things like that on there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and uh I made a bit of a name for myself you know people knew who i was recognized by avatar and things like that just mm-hmm. just through doing that and um, i kept my hobby going by play by email mostly um that's where i partly started to get my taste for war games from you know because there's a lot of play by email stuff um, yeah hex and counter war games um and then after a while and, and I, I don't I, this was a very gradual process. I began to realise that my taste in games was not what uh, the majority of people on that website, you know, were into. Yeah. And you're saying about Carcassonne, so I picked up Carcassonne, and actually, although I've played it many times, it's it, it. I found it a bit of a disappointment. It, it really wasn't what I was expecting the game. So I grew up no. on, I said before, things like Space Hulk, Theory of Dracula, and yeah. I was expecting big, thematic, exciting games, and. A lot of the games that were coming out that were very popular at the time, um, some, of them, some of them were great, but, but a lot of them they, they were the, big, the early beginners of these point salad games coming out, and it just really wasn't my, my thing at all. And I wanted to big up the games I loved, you know. And so, via Board Game Geek, I got together with a bunch of like minded people, um, and we launched a blog. Um, which we called Fortress and mm. um, originally, uh, which eventually went moved from blogger into being its own site, um, and ran for for many years. Um, and it's now you can find it under There Will Be Dot Games. We've changed the branding. There's, mm. there's, I I don't want to waffle about this. There's a whole thing about this. The the term Ameritrash, where that came from, because we we essentially invented it for the for the for the site. All right. Okay. Um, and. Uh, yeah, that that whole that's gone now. It's behind us. That battle is won, if you like. I feel because people do take the kinds of more thematic games. that mean, you know, look, you see what's on Kickstarter. It's full, of awful of miniatures. You know, yes. And um, they, they, these games are are far more people. People are far happier about talking about them nowadays. And I know I'm waffling um, because I don't quite know where to go with the story. But to go back to the writing, um, I I wrote just a blog for for many years um, and. Genuinely, quite genuinely, I was on social media a lot uh, because I, I I had to be very fond of Twitter. Um, and whenever I saw I followed a bunch of video game editors, it started the, the professional work that I did started with video games um, because board games, you talk about the golden age of board gaming. Board game adaptations were becoming more and more popular when the iPad came out, yes. uh, and editors wanted people to cover this stuff, uh, and, and I got some of the gigs. And, and it is partly just being in the right place at the right time, and, and having you know a body of work drawn as well. I don't think my my early writing is particularly good, um, but uh, it, it just built up
0: from there. Because the thing with um, board game board game reviews, they're still going through their kind of their identity kind of thing they're kind of they're finding themselves a lot of the board game reviews i read seem to follow a certain kind of form formulaic thing this is the game this is how it plays this is what i think when you're looking at kind of like the writing video games seem to have kind of like opinion pieces i'm starting to occasionally see opinion pieces coming out of board games but i'm they're really 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 few and far between and it's usually if somebody's just like something's really, really kind of hacked somebody off that they're having a kind of a kind of a good rant. I mean, I take it when, when you're doing the kind of the mixture, the kind of like the video game stuff and you're talking about the board game ad- adaptations, did you do a lot of opinion pieces as well? Or were you primarily kind of focusing on on the kind of the reviews, the previews, the kind of the instructional stuff, the information side of things?
1: No, absolutely. I I never did the, the the informational stuff except very early on because I mm. don't see the value in it. I've never seen the value in it. You know, even even ten, fifteen years ago you could go on the internet and get a rule book for most games. Yeah. If I want to know how a game plays, I'll go and read the rule book. I don't want a review to tell me how a game plays. And so, yeah, and, and it was the video game industry and editors had a certain, you know, I read that stuff as well because I play video games mm. and, and uh, I, I was aware of how those, those pieces went, if you want, um, if you like. And so, yeah, I, I've always followed that format that you, you give an opinion. It's an opinion thing. It's, it's not about an informational thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. How, do you find it, I mean, do you find it quite easy to write? I mean, are, you, are, are is somebody able to say to you, okay, could you give us give us 800 words on what you think about this and you're just able to sit down and just... Or are you like anybody else that sometimes you just wake up and you're just like, well, you just leave me words alone, thank you, bye, kind of thing. Does it depend on, on kind of where your head's at and things like that?
1: Some people are going to hate me for saying this, but generally I find it quite easy. The, the hardest thing to write, I, I always find, is the opening. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the radio again exactly not not try to strangle not try to strangle back at all um, once I've got an introduction in my head that's the hardest thing once I've got a way to start yeah yeah? so the the opening paragraph is always the hardest once I've got you know a fixed point to start from it just seems to fall into place and and the, the, the disadvantage with doing that is that sometimes you end up with a shapeless review and and that is a criticism i think people could make of mine is that it just meanders gets through the various points and then just goes out with a whimper and and sometimes when i'm halfway through i'll suddenly it'll all fall together in my head and i'll think ah there's a real point to be made here i can i can actually get a real story arc from the beginning yeah an end and and that's always my best stuff
0: i think the good thing about board games is that we seem to have shied away from point scoring so there doesn't see I mean there know there's ratings on BoardGameGeek, you know kind of thing, but there's very very few publications that when they're issuing a review will actually put a score at the end. And I hate video game scores. I think it's the worst thing the worst thing ever. Um I myself I I write on occasion and I don't I'm not kind of vocal about this or, or tell many people, but I do write kind of video game reviews on a regular basis for a small quiet site. And I just ask for random bad games that most people would give like a 5 or 6 out of 10. And I write about them because um, (laughs) there's something fun about writing about kind of like games that are doing kind of in the middle of the road stuff (laughs) as opposed to games that are being absolutely fantastic and also games that are being kind of absolutely terrible. But there's something kind of really fun just to kind of not having the pressure of thinking I have to write a big huge story as to why I think... um, Sekiro and the PlayStation 4 is the best of the Souls games that are kind of out there kind of thing. And I think it's kind of like a, a fun... I I write how I talk, which means that I can easily get a thousand words because I just go, bah. but I also i am conscious of... um. Do you... When you're writing, would you... Do you try and consciously look at kind of like an emotional experience in how a game affected you in a certain way or does it again does it depend on the type of the the game and what the game is trying to cover
1: generally nowadays i always go for the emotional angle this is something i I started doing purposefully about a year ago Um, and uh, i did it because uh, there's lots of reasons why i did it I i did it because i was tired of the lack of subtlety in game reviews and i don't mean that as a criticism because there's there's a there's a, a very valid line of thought that goes a review shouldn't be subtle, yeah, because mm. you're there to actually tell people about your readers about a game, and you're actually there to give them an opinion and, and give them information, and subtlety has no place in that. And and I I absolutely have every understanding, you know, I sympathise mm. with that viewpoint completely. But most of what's written about board games is reviews, you know, there's not a lot of of wider features or opinion pieces and things like that, so there's not a lot of subtle writing. And I wanted to do something that was a bit more subtle, a bit more personal.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I've been thinking for most of the time that I've been writing, I have wondered about why do people read reviews? Because I was aware that when I read reviews, I would often like, you know, I'd I'd think, oh, I might buy this game, I'll read three or four reviews of it, and and I would read them. And after going through that process a few times I realized that it didn't actually make a lot of difference as whether I bought the game or not generally and um, it was it was often just um polishing an already made decision if you like you know why like a look at that
0: game for whatever reason it's, it's validation box, I see yes, it it's validation. Uh, validation I see it again and again and again I I you're you're completely right because I will look at a review of a game and read three or four reviews but I just want almost like my online friends tell me you're making the right decision here because you're about to drop 40 quid on something yes. and personally you know there's a part of you screaming that um, if uh, if you spent 40 quid on something else you'd be like I'm not spending 40 quid on that but on a board game you're kind of saying well I, you know I I, I read it here that they're saying they're having amazing fun with it and they said it's the best version of this game or it takes this genre in a new direction and that and that's kinda of justification for kinda of, for kinda of me. Um do you think that maybe you don't see as much opinion pieces about board games because it's not in demand as much yet? No, that we're not no, at I, that I, point yet?
1: I I I don't think it's that. I think it I think it's Comes to the territory of board games because a, a, a video game is a or a role playing game. Um, they are things that have a huge component of the unknown in them. You know? mm. So you play a role playing game; it's it's uh, subjective. Yeah. So so mm. a role playing game, a lot of it's in the GM's head or in the player's head. You play a video game; it's all all the the hidden stuff is handled by the computer. You don't know how it works out, whether you've hit an enemy or not. Yeah, yeah. of stuff. With a with board game, it's all laid bare. It's all laid bare. And, and that is actually part and parcel of what appeals about mm-hmm. board games to people. Um, and so, if everything is laid bare, that you almost feel... I, I have to fight against it because I, I try not to give too much information in reviews. I try and get the emotional angle. But I have to fight against laying it all out. All the rules out. You know, It's something that comes very naturally when you talk about a board game because that's the core of the board game. Yeah, that's why a lot of people are there. So, no, I, I don't think it's because people are shying away from it. I think I think it's the other way around. I think it would be good, and um, if we could get away from it, but the nature of the medium makes that very hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms, I mean, you've done stuff for, you know, you've done stuff for stuff. You've done things for Shut Up and Sit Down as well. I mean the the things that you've accomplished so far, a lot of people go, "Whoa." For you, I mean, is there pieces that you've you're particularly kind of proud of?
1: Yeah, I I I think most of the, not, not the best work I've ever done, but a lot of the best work I've ever done was was for sh- Shut Up and Sit Down. There's something about um, Paul and Quinns that just seemed to bring out the best in me, mm. um, and, and, I, and I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. They they were really great people to work with. I've never met them face to face. You know, we only communicated via via Skype and email and stuff, but the way they edited my work, the way they framed what they wanted me to do just, just brought out the best of me and I had a wonderful time writing those. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I think those were the first things I did that really strongly deviated from the traditional review template, if you like, um, of laying the information out and then giving the opinion at the end and, and, uh, and that was enormously valuable and I'm very grateful for that opportunity.
0: How did, how did that opportunity come around? Because I know that they, they seem to pick up on Things that they're quite willing to say. Well, I like that, and then I'm going to tell everybody ab- about it. I mean, they've recently talked about uh, um, board game barrage, the podcast. They were talking about so very wrong about kind of games as well, and they were saying, "Well, these are ones that we kind of listen." Were they? Were they? How did they approach you? Were they aware of the other work that you were that you were doing, and that's why they kind of wanted you to to kind of come along and pitch up?
1: Yes and no. So, so they 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 were aware of who I was and what I did, um, uh-huh. but. They were actually. It was again on social media um, that mm-hmm. I, I followed. I followed uh, Quins on social media, um, and I don't actually remember exactly how the conversation started. Now, um, this was when they launched. It was when they were launching Shut Up and Sit Down, right, right back in the original early days, and they wanted the thing to be as broad as possible, and they wanted somebody to um, cover consims, you know, traditional yeah. X and Counter Star War games, uh, mm-hmm. and and. They didn't have anybody, you know, in their gaming circle who did that. And and again, as I say, this is something that I got into quite heavily when I was uh, uh, via play by email. And and so it was a world I knew and I volunteered to do that. And that's what's, you know, that's what I wrote about to start with for them. And then as time went on, I did do some more mainstream board game reviews. Um, But nowadays they, most of their stuff is video based. So I I don't have that opportunity anymore because that's the way the world is going.
0: Getting on to it, vi- I mean, let's have a chat about videos, because I mean, we've all got, we've all, not a lot of us have got phones, and we've, we can all kind of pick up and sit in front of a, sit in front of a camera and, ha- and have a waffle. I have done it myself quite recently on a number of occasions, um, because one of the things you realise is kind of like the natural progression is that, in order to create content, one of the things that people start to expect because our the show will be going out on YouTube, naturally. It just goes out as an audio file on YouTube. I do not know how it works. I know how it works. Is the kind of the video stuff. Um, is it taking away the kind of the final barrier for anybody to create content at all? Because writing is difficult. <laughs> and I know because I've written a few things for... The We're not Wizards blogs. As I say, I I've written a lot of stuff myself, but it's never been paid because I've never felt good enough to go up to somebody and say, Give me money for these words I'm making up But you have to be a good writer. You can, you have to be a decent writer in order for somebody to not kinda of just look look at it and go, um I've no idea what you're saying here, I'm sorry. Can kind I of think but do you think the video kind of thing kind of removes that barrier so that anybody can kind of rock up and go, look, it's a game, game, kind of thing?
1: Well, yeah, again, yes and no, because obviously it does. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to uh, bother recording, um, compiling, because you have to do you know, optimising yeah. video and bloody uploading it to YouTube. I wouldn't bother with that hassle. Um, and the people who are at the top of their game are extremely good. Uh, and, and I... I what they do is way beyond just just waving a game in front of the camera. You know, it's scripted, it's edited, it's very cleverly thought about camera angles and lighting yeah, and so yeah, on and so yeah, forth. Yeah. And, and so, so it, it, in its own right, it is, I would say, a far more difficult and polished and and time consuming thing than writing is. You know, I I can sit down and you know over the course of a lunch hour, bash out four hundred words. Can't couldn't do that <laughs> with like you know twenty minutes of video.
0: I'd like to see you try a video. I think that'd be.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm gonna. This is gonna sound really, really um, self-absorbed now, but I'm gonna say anyway because I've started. But I I, I I don't know. You've looked into few, you you know I've written a book on gaming, yeah. And yeah. um, so the Haynes tabletop gaming manual. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, as, as I, I went to Haynes because they actually the publishing house isn't that far from where I live, uh, and because uh, they wanted me that all these boxes of games they wanted to take photographs of them for the book. Uh, And at the end of that, they wanted me to do a promotional video. So I did just like a short five minute thing. And it was, it wasn't at all scripted. It was just a guy said, just, just, just sit down and talk about games for five minutes. So I did. And um, afterwards he said, my God, you should be on YouTube. (laughs) That was, that was brilliant. Um, And I just shrugged and said, yeah, whatever. And, and um, so maybe I should, but I, I don't, it wouldn't give me any pleasure. Writing gives me pleasure. Mm. And, and I, I, don't, I don't have any interest in producing video. I don't have any interest in... I wouldn't know how to write a script. That's a different thing. you know. Just don't off the top of my head is, is, is a different thing. But then you, you what you're saying is about just waving a box at a camera and it might be garbage, um, unless unless you plan it to some degree. And um, I just enjoy words. I, I don't watch... I don't consume video content. Hardly ever do I watch yeah. any video content and, because it just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, and, and so... If you don't see the appeal of something, it, you know reverse engineering, it's very hard to make something that will appeal to others.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there? Um, do you think there's a career in the kind of the board game writing space? Do you think that there's money there for people to say, you know, I'm going to make money from this and pay my mortgage and stuff no, like that? No,
1: I, I, absolutely not. I mean, you know, the the people on video gaming sites and good writers, top quality writers in the video gaming space, and um, who who, who even freelancers um struggled i know this from talking to them struggle to make enough to support family yeah um, it, it's hard work and, and the the yeah staff writers on on video game sites make a pittance and the, that's with the audience that video games has the millions and millions of people mm-hmm. that play video games and so absolutely not there's no way no way it's <laughs> it's It's a it's something I've thought about a lot you know I'd love to do it I really would love to do it but there's absolutely no way at all even combining the two that I could make enough money to support my family
0: so are you is it almost the case that as you're pushed into it being back to being a hobby like it was at the you know that the writing kind of stuff is an extra bonus that brings in you know money towards a holiday or money for this or money when the kids' birthdays are coming up as opposed to saying, you know, it's covering the kind of the the roof overhead.
1: When I, when I first started writing, my goal was to make enough money to, to pay for my hobby because yeah. I felt guilty about spending money on myself, um, yeah. you know, because it's not a cheap hobby. No. Um, I, I suppose more so than golf or something, I don't know, but uh, um, it's not a cheap hobby. And so, yeah, the, the what I wanted to do was just, um, just cover my own expenses, if you like, and, and I've managed to do that. Um, and, and anything that's left there is, is a bonus really Yeah, but over the years the writing has become a hobby in itself you know, I, I, I do really enjoy it, it gives me enormous pleasure um, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to write and be read and, uh, and discuss that writing with people who read it you know, it, it, it's good, it, it's, a, it's a creative process and it, it, it's um, something I think a lot about how to do and how to do better uh, and, and I hope I've made some sort of contribution to the, to the mm-hmm. space
0: would you go into a different um, kind of environment where the money was better that you could transfer your skills across?
1: What, to write? Yeah, would you I, feel? I would. I would do it. Um, but it, I, it, we're going off top of it now. But this is a golden handshake thing to some to some degree, or golden handcuffs. And because I I make quite a good living as a, as an engineer, as a software engineer. Yeah. And and. I have thought about it. I did actually the last time I was job hunting. I drafted up two versions of my cV one for software and one for for writing mm-hmm. and and i d- I did apply for some jobs um it, mostly in marketing obviously as a copywriter mm-hmm. uh, and, and or, or a journalist and you know i I didn't get anywhere with those, but I would certainly do it if I could but but even even commercial jobs in the marketing sector still don't pay as much as, as engineering does.
0: So, I mean, what would would the ideal job be for you then? I mean, would it be tabletop full time? I mean, have you got a book that you're wanting to write? I mean, are you looking at kind of putting together the next kind of Game of Thrones series or you kind of like, you know? What, what if, I, if, you, if, if, you know, if money was away from the table and it would just be, you do whatever you want to do and you can just, you know, you'll, you'll we'll take care of anything that you need. What is it you would like to do kind of creatively?
1: I'd, I've never thought about it, honestly, because, because it's such a pipe dream. Um, I, I've off for years, I've wanted to write a novel, but I think I'd be rubbish at it. Genuinely, <laughs> I really do. No, no, genuinely. Um, because just because you could write doesn't mean you're good at characters and plot. Yeah, um, you know, just because you you got a good, a good turn of phrase doesn't make you any good at actually constructing a, a narrative arc, if you like. So I think I could write a novel; it'd be garbage. And um, I did have an idea a long time ago, which I still might do one of these days. I don't know. And um, uh, there's a, a game called um, Once Upon a Time. It's one of my favourite games. Yeah. by James Wallace, and it's a storytelling game, and you just you you tell a story, and you have cards, and you have with keywords mm. on them, and you have to you have to work the keywords into the uh, into your story as you go along. And you the idea is to get rid of your cards. Um, and I used to play that a lot at lunchtimes at work, and the stories that came out were just magnificent, absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And it, and it gave me the idea that I should record them, and and actually start writing a book of short stories based on board game sessions. Not that that was just like that's where the idea came from, but there are so many games that generate a great narrative arc. Yeah. I thought you've got you're given the raw material to work with. I could yeah. probably do something with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have you got anything in the pipeline at the moment? Obviously, you mentioned kind of like you did the Haynes manual in the past. Have you got anything else that you're kind of working on quietly at well, the I, moment?
1: I was I was very lucky, I haven't been that quiet about it, to, to work with uh, Owen Duffy. Um, who's the, oh, Guardians, yeah. the Guardian's Games correspondent? And yeah. um, he's he's currently in the process of putting together a. Uh, he's just called it the board game book. Yes, he was um, on the show is, a little while. Ago. Ah, okay, okay. I didn't realize he was on the show, so you know Owen. Then fine. And so he he invited me to help help with that, and and uh, and and I did, and I have seen the PDFs, and it is it is really good. I mean, you know, my own work fine, but Owen's really made a mark on that because everything that i've written he's supported with designer interviews Mm -hmm. and photography and and it really is it really is quite a thing i was really impressed with that when i when i got my my uh, pdf preview of that Uh, so i'm looking forward to get a hard copy of that and um he's he's hoping to do the same again next year i think
0: Um, yeah yeah
1: you may have to cut out of the show after a check with him (laughs) (laughs) no i think when he came on i think
0: Uh, he said it all the well when he was on the show i think um I think the kickstarter was just about finished. So I think I kind of at this time he was kind of like saying well um yeah if it if it does go well I would like to try and turn this into kind of almost like a a kind of an annual thing. And Death. I think um strangely enough I think it's a kind of a nice it's a nice thing to have seeing as kind of like it, to me it kind of goes hand in hand seeing as board games are so completely tactile. And obviously I can't think of anything better to accompany than a book. You can just imagine somebody sitting, you know, most people are most board gamers are used at some point to spending a time idling watching the T V while they have a rule book that they're thumbing through, you know, trying to learn the rules in time for the game that they're playing tomorrow night at the club. And I can just imagine instead sitting down with a cup of tea and just kinda of going through the games and saying, Oh, I've played that, I've not played that, oh I need that, I need to check E B now to see if I can get a copy of that kind of thing. Um which would be kind of in... Interesting to do. So that's that went through Kickstarter. I think that's in the process of going through kind of printing. Yes, yeah. So I've got a PDF.
1: I mean, he's, it's all put together, and he sent me a PDF. So it's, it's, it's off at the printers, and it'll be coming out to back as pretty soon. But I, I mean it quite genuinely. I, I do. He paid me a fixed fee for my work on that book. Yeah. So I'm getting, I'm getting nothing from shilling it. It is excellent, and the work <laughs> he's done on it is outstanding. And, and if you're at all interested in board games, I would, I would encourage you to, to, to take a look at potentially picking have a copy. It's really, really good. The work he's done, the work, the other people who involved in the book have done it. Top-notch. Top-notch stuff. I think,
0: I, I don't know if I heard rumours around the campfire it might be available at the UK Games Expo but take that with a pinch of salt. It's not, it's something that I've maybe heard because I backed it, you see, so <laughs> so I don't know if the rumour he says he was trying to get it maybe it ready for sale at the UK Games Expo so people could actually pick up a physical copy while it's there, but we shall have to kind of see. Um in ter- as I say in terms of you may obviously you've mentioned you're involved in that, is there a project you'd like to to do? As in that you'd see? And um, if something you know, as I say, is there, you've mentioned that, is there anything that you'd be like you you kind of recently are seeing that you'd like to kind of get involved in that's kind of going about just now?
1: Uh, I don't know I mentioned the board game story thing. That's something I'd like to get involved in. But um, in terms of gaming, it's, it, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It, it, things have become so fragmentary now um, mm. that uh, I find it very hard to get any kind of bigger picture as to what's going on, you know, to, to pick up a thing and run with it. And a lot of games now are sold obviously and purposefully and deliberately as modular systems to build on. Yeah. in a way that, that that was you know common in war games, sorry, miniatures games for twenty years ago, but but is is now eating into board games, and it makes it very difficult to just sort of like have a thing and take any one thing and run with it because you're just overwhelmed the whole time, um mm-hmm. with 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 new things and new angles and comparing them with the old stuff. So I do feel and have felt for several years now, to be honest, um, a level of burnouts to an extreme word but just fatigue fatigue with with things um and i think you know the the, the decision i made to try and focus more on the, the the writing itself i suppose you know the going back to the emotional thing the subtlety do, doing looking at that angle more and more is a reaction to that to some extent
0: what's making you happy about the industry just now then I mean we're talking about the kind of the emotional side of things from the review but there are things that you're kind of going this is this is a very positive place that we're in at the moment is there any particular parts of the hobby that kind of make you kind of glad to be involved in the hobby
1: well one of the things that yes there are there's lots of things i mean i, I love it if, if i wouldn't be doing it for this long if i didn't love yeah. it there's lots there's lots of things a thing i particularly like to see is again it goes back to social media i, I follow a lot of small designers on twitter and the, no. the 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 pleasure they take and the joy they take in in what they do in, in producing these small box games i i complain a lot about the glut of games in the industry but at the same time almost everybody that designs games um, either for a living or for a hobby does it Does it for the love, they do it for the love of it and they love what they do and they love creating it and, and it's just a delight, because I've never designed a game, right? I've, I've never really even tried um, and it's, I am in awe of people that do uh, because I find it, it's very easy to look at a game and see how all the bits fit together after the fact but building that up from nothing is, is just not not the way my brain works uh and yeah, i know all of people yeah. that can do that and I, and I love I love the enthusiasm that people still have for the hobby and I love the way that um that's spreading now as as these things become a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more more
0: worldly aware, if you like. Yeah,
1: it, it's great. It is a great time to be in the hobby in spite of, of the, the fatigue of the just the sheer number of titles.
0: I'm worried that um my only concern about the hobby at the moment is um big money kinda of moving in and putting a stranglehold that some of these guys end up going it's not worth it, me trying to start in the same place because I'm never ever going to gonna get my game made or get my game produced, which is one that we end up in this whole thing We get thousands of games coming out and then there's not enough space for everybody to be able to sell their copies so we end up kind of pulling back and it's only the guys with the big huge marketing budgets that kind of get their name and get their game kind of out there, which is always a kind of a A danger and as as I say with the ability for somebody just to go to the printers and kind of you know make a make a copy of a game and make it kind of exist and come into existence I just hope we're still holding on to that that there's still that space that people can still produce kind of games and get them out there in front of an audience and and kind of spread that joy
1: it it would be it would be I, I hope you are right um, but this is one of the many dangers of the, the situation that we are in now, um, mm. and I think that's that's most clearly amplified by Kickstarter, and because Kickstarter, no fault of Kickstarters, um, started out as a platform to do exactly what you are describing for enthusiasts, yes. small enthusiasts to get their product out there and get them noticed and get them funded. Um, and that was brilliant for a couple of years until some bright spark in some big company realized it was also a way that they could do risk-free production runs.
0: Yes, and, and now
1: they they totally dominate that space, and it's not what that space was intended for, and that's very very sad.
0: Yes, I had a a little rant on Twitter recently about that, <laughs> and I'm not going to go there because I don't want to end on a on a on a kind of a on a kind of a negative. Um, you got tips for any good? Of, you know, somebody's listening along and saying, you know, I wanna I wanna put pen to paper. I wanna kind of write some stuff would you have, you know, if you could go back to say Matt of 15, 20 years ago and say here's kind of a couple of things to bear in mind when you're starting on this writing journey, I mean would there be any tips you would give to anybody who's kind of looking at a blank screen they've logged into you know, com and they're about to write their first kind of review or preview or something like that would there be any kind of advice you would give to somebody
1: I think the biggest bit of advice I'd give to myself going back is is read more and mm. and read with an open mind. So so I obviously I read everyone reads reviews and so on and so forth, but um, you need to read a wide diet of, of different people, different styles, different things that's going on, and read it with an eye to, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And um, be be aware of of. of why things you think are good are good. Think about why they're good. Think about what lessons you can learn from that because that's the best way to improve as a writer. That and practice, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street. You know, you read, you learn what's good and then you you practice doing it yourself and then between those two things you find your own voice.
0: Are there any writers that you kind of continually see exceptional kind of work from that you kind of go, oh, I hope they're not writing the same stuff as I am because damn.
1: Um yeah I mean there's 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 uh I I like Paul and Quinn's when they write they're very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and Florence doesn't yes. write about board games much no. anymore but, but he is he is very good in terms of slightly more niche press um a guy called Charlie Thiel um who writes about board games for Ars Technica is mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. He's he's also on Twitter. Um they are people whose work I they're the only people I think whose work I follow religiously if you like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. If um, if people wanted to follow you religiously, where can they find you on the internet webs, Mr. Thrower?
1: Okay. Well, uh, my my I post bi weekly every Monday on a site called There Will Be Games. There will yes. be dot games. Um, okay. and th- there's all sorts of other great content there as well. I do think we've got um, got some good writers on that side. Um, on Twitter, I am. This is very hard to say. I'm M A T T T H R Matt Thra. So at Matt Thra. I might. <laughs> I don't. I just don't have a very internet friendly name because it's two Ts plus a T. Yeah, it just it's, just, just, it's just... <laughs> a triple so I T. Not, yeah, may as well make a feature of it. It's <laughs> triple threat. <laughs> Better make a feature of it. So yeah, at Matt Thra, M A triple T. HR and and uh, and yeah and and I, I, if you want to see my commercial writing at the moment I work a lot with a, a site called Pocket Gamer uh, right. a
0: site called Pocket Tactics I've heard definitely of Pocket Gamer Yeah. Um, um, I, know, I know a couple of people who used to write for them actually a long oh, time okay. ago yes um, excellent well what I'll do is I will make sure that all those links go in the show notes so that we've got notes to show Um. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, you know where to find this. Come on. Of course. 270-odd episodes now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> i have to keep reminding you where you can find us. Um... But you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and you can find us on our blog which is we're not wizards.blogspot.com and our website which is we're not wizards.com. You can find us in kind of um, all those podcast catchers as well, the ones that have got pod in them, the ones that have got cast in them and like Spotify that have neither in them but you can find us on Spotify anyway because it's fabulous. We're on YouTube um, because all of our all of our episodes automatically go on YouTube and occasionally we put out very bad videos. You know, because I like putting out very bad videos. Um, And you'll see why, because I've definitely got a face for podcasting. Um, If you like what you've listened to tonight, there's a couple of things you can do. Tell someone else. You know, Matt is he has been a fantastic guest. And if you like what you've listened to, say, Oi, that Matt Thrower, he was on that uh, We Are Not Wizards place. Go and listen to him and then, you know, tell somebody else. The other thing you can do is you can go to Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a subscription or you can go one further, you can drop us a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, um, don't give us ten stars, because it makes me big-headed. But don't give us one star, because it makes me cry. And I am a very ugly crier indeed. Give us five stars, because it's in the middle, and it's a little bit average. Um, but the person who's not being average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, Mr. Matt Thrower. Thank you very Thank you. much for coming on. Thank you on, for your sir. time. It takes
1: interviews are a two-way street. Don't do yourself down.
0: Thank you very, very much. Um, there are only two more things to do. Uh, the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Matt?
1: <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you. We're, 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 we're game wizards. We're word wizards. Magic is in your head.
0: No way. Just, just, just... And the second thing is so to I've say ruined it now, <laughs> the second thing is to say you're a very brave man, um, saying that to the person that's gonna be editing the sound file. But you know. Um <laughs> and the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the um the kind of the last minute disappointment that is Matt Thrower. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, uh stay safe. Roll six is make something awful and until the next time Goodbye. Go on then, say goodbye. Go on. Goodbye. Goodbye then. Goodbye, Matt. Thanks, that brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) A wizard is never late.